In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power. To walk through our every fear, for spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room. In this very room, and I invite you to just pause for a moment, bring your energy into your physical being. Just draw it in in your minds. Set that intention in your minds, knowing that you draw your energy in, that it moves into your mind, into your heart, and into your core, into your intuition. All three centers of intelligence as we bring our energy in in this moment. To stand in that power, in that oneness with ourselves, knowing that as we breathe deeply, and I invite you in the next breath, whatever is stretching you a bit, as you take breath in and release it, in the peace and the joy, the understanding that it is amply available, that is that presence of God in the form of life-giving breath. That as we breathe deeply, it activates and opens our heart center, opens our core. Grounding ourselves, allowing our energy in our mind's eye to, to extend down from the bottoms of our feet. Imagine golden threads coming out of the bottoms of our feet and wrapping ourselves securely around the, the core of the earth, as well as the crown chakra opening up, extending to infinity. Grounded in the reality of truth, containing our energy, and yet open and available to divine guidance, inspiration. Connecting beautifully and wonderfully, knowing that that life. As I speak these words on behalf of each person in the first person, knowing them for you as well, that that life that I recognize, that I open to in this moment, is my life, spirit's life, source life, God's life, whatever I call it. It does not matter what I call it. it. What is important is my attending to it, because I love and care for it as it love and cares for me. And so we stand together today on this last Sunday that we gather in 2014. I stand with you and invite you to think of something you're grateful for this past year. Doesn't matter if it's large or small, but allow that gratitude to capture you and to build and grow as we have our discussion today, as we celebrate community today, coming together in this sacred space—a space as we have just sung, where there is enough love for the entire world. And so, as I stand with you in this love, as I stand with you in this awareness, as I as I stand with you and bask in this spiritual practice that is so powerful. Transformative and transcendent. I know that each and every one of us is being done unto in a way that is amazing and powerful. Every cell in our physical being is being renewed and regenerated in this moment because we entertain and practice that thinking. We welcome divine abundance into our lives in every way, shape, and form, knowing that as we give, we activate this this law of reciprocity in a way that that as we give more and more and more, as pressed down, overflowing comes into our lives. In terms of service, in terms of love, in terms of of sharing, the gratitude and appreciation 
all the gifts that are ours to share. Once again, not qualifying size, but it is the quality of the giving. Being open and receptive to creative ideas, being open and receptive to the newness that awaits each and every one of us. What shall we put down to make room for in 2015? This is our opportunity. This is a joyous celebration of that recognition. So I give thanks this day for music, for ears to hear, for eyes to see, for, for the capacity to share meals together in communion with family and friends over this holiday season to be renewed and restored in the most powerful and beautiful ways possible. That is the sacred, sacred space that we create together. And so in gratitude for all that has brought us together today, the freedom and the love, the opportunity, the challenges that are before us, which are not problems but projects, I give thanks. In gratitude and appreciation, I release these words, knowing that Spirit's presence is here guiding, directing, and loving each and every one of us beyond our own comprehension. For this I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Well, good morning, belated Merry Christmas. If we didn't see on uh, Christmas Eve, it was amazing, amazing. There was a thousand people here on Christmas. Okay, maybe not that many, but there was a lot, if you know what I mean. I'm speaking metaphorically. And, ha- and um, Happy New Year. And we have our, our uh, peace meditation going on uh, on New Year's on the 31st at 5 a.m. For those of you that love to get up at 5 a.m. and be here and meditate, I'll be here. And, and then, of course, we, we go home, take a nap, get ready for the, uh, the next sacred event at midnight on the 31st. We're talking today about exchanging and re-gifting of you. So does anybody get a gift this uh, holiday season that, that you're uh, going to be exchanging or re-gifting? Anybody? It's fantastic. Everybody got what they wanted and everything fits perfectly. It's great. What a consciousness. But it really, in the, in the season of giving and in the season of these gifts, I think it's just a, a nice segue into what we really uh, stand for as a, a spiritual movement. On the, the ongoing uh, expression and, and uh, impulse of this divine presence that is so, always seeking greater expression by means of you and I. And so if, if source is always giving to us, why, where, what's the problem with if our, our capacity to receive or the things that are showing up in our lives don't match what we're expecting, what, what the expectancy might be. And so the, one of the wonderful things about spiritual practice and spiritual community is knowing that in order for something new to show up in our life, we probably have to make space uh, in our lives and in our consciousness for that to, to be given uh, expression. So I want to share with you a little snippet. It's called Kid Snippets. And some of you may be familiar with this. This is a series of... of um, exchanges between children that have been recorded. So the children in their ages three, four, and five are, have given a scenario. And uh, they record the scenario. You'll see the pictures of the two little children at the beginning. And then two adult actors, or three adult actors, depends on the scenario and how the kids played out, will lip sync what the children have said. So this was two children, they're probably about four years old, that were given the invitation to play as if they were exchanging gifts. And I think in, in the uh, this season of, of exchanging of gifts, uh, it's quite appropriate. And there's a bit of a message there as well. So you'll see in a moment two little faces. Those are the actual voices and the little, little uh, kids. Knock, knock. Come in. I gave you a Christmas present. Oh, thank you. Ooh, it's a nice TV. Thank you, I love it. I'll go get your present. 
and here's the remote. You press this to turn on a different channel. You press this to make it louder. You press this to make it quieter. And this to make it fast forward. And this one to make it fast backward. Here's your present. A pencil? You didn't even wrap it. Oops, I grabbed the word thing. Here's how you turn it on. You just press this button. And to turn it off, you just press the button way up here and click. And then it's off. Here it go. Here's your present. Scissors? Oh, great. I'll go get your present. Oh, you press the button right here. Here's your present. A stabler? Oops. Better change its giant battery. You have to change it every week. Here's your present. A notepad. Oops. I love notepads. This is the best present ever. You're welcome. Can I keep the pencil? Sure. Thank you. Sorry I only got you a TV. It's huge, so it's fine. So goodbye. And there's a whole, there's a whole body of these that they've done. I'm always amazed by these actors how much they must have to rehearse to get the, the lip syncing down. But I, you know, I think it's such a great example of perception. You know, here's someone that brings the TV. How many gave a TV this year and got a notepad back in the exchange, in the, the gift exchange? But it's all, and, and so here's this little one. It's just, you know, and they're just making this stuff up as they sit at the table. I've seen them, uh, and so there's no props. So I'm always impressed. This little one is standing there talking about um, the, the remote control. That goes on for most of it. And then the other one is, of course, scrambling, which, I mean, how many scrambled to find the right gift for somebody this year? And, you know, the stabler and the scissors and the pencil and all that stuff. I just think it's such a, a wonderful metaphor for how we there can be this sort of pressure to perform gift-wise and uh, how that can be a challenge at times. But also the perception, here's this child that receives a notepad and says, this is the best present ever. You know, so it really is such a, a, a statement on perception and what we teach is a, is a movement. You know, what someone's perfect gift may not be our perfect gift. And also the opportunity to, to, that I really appreciate and I find precious within our teaching is that we're never stuck that we always have the opportunity to, whatever's been, whatever we've carried, whatever we're carrying or has become a pattern or a, a sort of an entrenched way of being, we're never stuck with that. And we're, we always have a, an opportunity to exchange it, to give it back, to release it. You know, that's the forgiveness work. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's just a, it's such a great little snippet of, of uh, at so many levels of how children even get that at that wee age of, of the exchange of gifts and and then expressing their perceptions. So I wanted to share with you in this uh, some ideas that I think are, are so powerful and so appropriate. And they're simple, simple practices because I need simple practices in my life. Uh, if they're too complicated, I just allow my intellect to tell me they're too complicated for me. So our next slide talks about expectation. And expectation is such a powerful tool to live in its expectancy. So what have you written down? Have you written down your, your, your expectancies for 2015? All right, awesome, I see Carolyn over there nodding. Awesome, but have you written them down? Because when we write them down, 
And I know the people in the Prosperity Plus class have done that because a big part of that is identifying what would we love and then writing it down and nurturing and all the things that, that, that I think really help uh, accelerate the creative process. So expectation is a powerful thing. And the quote there, our life experiences are a result of what we've practiced thinking about. So what have you practiced thinking about? Because if we look at our lives, it'll tell us exactly what we've practiced thinking about. And, and if life is a struggle for us, then at some level of thinking, based on what I know about metaphysics and what I know about the creative process, is that if life is a struggle, then I've practiced some form of, of, of thinking that supports the experience of struggle. And so how do we break out of that? Because that's such a challenge for so many people. How do we go from this certainty to say, I believe it's true? I believe it's true. And the reason I know it's true is because this is always my experience. There's never enough. I'm not enough. Not enough time, not enough resources, not enough energy, whatever it may be. So I believe it's true because this has always been my experience. How do we shift it into it's true because I believe it? So the only reason that it is happening in my life is not because I'm being victimized by it, but because, in fact, I've helped support it by my repetitive thinking, the things I've practiced thinking. So what can I exchange in my thinking nature that will allow me to, to have a different experience? And the challenge is always being repotted from the old idea to the new idea because there's always that space in the middle that's very uncomfortable. When we've been pulled out of one pot, one container, and being repotted into another, the changing of, of consciousness and the shifting of experience so that something new can grow. If you, you know, for gardeners here, you know that at, at a certain point, a pot will not, or a plant cannot grow beyond the capacity of the pot that contains it. And so using that metaphor, so are you ready to be repotted? And are you willing to be uncomfortable as your roots are dangling in the air there while you're moving to the new pot? Our opportunity is to break the cycle. So what patterns can you and I exchange? Because we can always exchange it. We can always take it back and we can always put this down and say, this is no longer working for me, that I'm choosing to have a larger, more expansive experience. So we do that. One of the things we, that, that I think is so important to do is to establish in our own practice what it, what it is that our, our year is going to look like. So how much money is going to come into your life this year? To, to maintain the status quo? Is the, is the, the, I, I can remember years ago where I just would hope and pray that it would be equal to what I did this year. Boy, I hope I did this year what I did last year. And so this infinite divine intelligence would get that message for me. I would place my order. I would impress upon this infinite intelligence. Let's maintain the status quo. A little bit more would be good, but at least the status quo. When in fact, whatever we give it, it will begin to work for us on our behalf. And so the, the, and the beauty of it is, is the things that need to be transformed within ourselves to, to then become available to the experience. Because if source is always giving, if this infinite divine presence is always giving, you know, I always love the, the phrase that comes from some of the wisdom that, that was conveyed by the teacher Jesus of Nazareth when he said, I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Whether he said that and, and lived that, I don't know, but what I do know is that, that statement I think is true. Dr. Holmes said our divine nature is one of freedom and abundance and prosperity, creativity, opportunity. He's not the only one that has said that. And we see so many teachers on the planet now that are, are saying the same things. So the practice one 
which Dr. Holmes identified so beautifully, and he was, he was mentored and nurtured by others. He didn't come up with this on his own, but he, he took it and made it his own into a body of work that we now celebrate. It's called Religious Science, the Science of Mind, Centers for Spiritual Living. But practice one is aligning with truth. Jesus said it, seek ye first the kingdom. Eckhart Tolle would say, bring your awareness to your pain body because he realized the power of consciousness. And as we bring awareness to the pain body, it starts to dissipate. That's such a powerful practice for him. Dr. Holmes talks about the alignment of source. Uh, Esther Hicks in the Abraham work talks about that, that we are source energy. I, I, I love her description. I think, I think Esther is the next evolution of what Dr. Holmes talked about. And a nice thing about Esther is she's available to so many people because she's not aligned with a religion. She's aligned with the, the mystical teaching and this, this body. That she's, it's not one person. It's a, it's a group of energy that is guiding her in her expression, but she's saying exactly what Dr. Holmes said, that we are, she, she will say that in this realm, we, this realm that we are experiencing in the human form as, as spiritual beings is the most potent and available for creative expression in the universe of all the expressions. Jesus would say that there are many mansions in the Father's house. And so this is such a potent place for us to express. And so to know that and to live from that and to build that, I'm reading uh, uh, The Life Divine by Sri Aurobindo. And Sri Aurobindo was a revolutionary in in India. And he studied with Vivekananda, and Vivekananda was very much a a leader and and an avatar in the Hindu movement. And then Sri Aurobindo, and Sri means holy. So it's holy Aurobindo. And he was a tremendous influence on Dr. Holmes. I have a book at home that I just started reading maybe a page or two each day, and it's, it's a real thick one. It's called The Life Divine. And it was said to sit on Dr. Holmes' a nightstand for the last 10, 15 years of his life. But he's saying the same thing there, and you can see the influences that Holmes extracted from that about this idea of transcendence, that the, the, the expansion of our spiritual nature is the most precious and powerful thing that we can do. It doesn't mean we give up life. It just simply means we bring more and more of that to who we are and what we're expressing. And so aligning with truth can be so, so powerful. And it's as simple as saying, getting up in the morning and saying, there's one life, that life is God's life, that life is my life now, and I open myself to that. That breathing practice that I I shared with you as we were doing our opening treatment, that as I breathe in and breathe out, that God's presence moves in and through and as me, and then love washes through your life. I mean, that's what the experience is. So the next practice, practice two, three ideas. First of all, choose. Get up in the morning, get, what, is your, what is this day going to look like for you? Choose. Despite what all the conditions look like, I'm going to choose a, a day that is spectacularly expire, inspiring. And I'm gonna, when I move with that expectancy, then I begin to extract evidence to support what I've chosen. Ernest Holmes said in thoughts, he said, to learn how to think is to learn how to live. I think that's very true. And what Esther in the Abraham work says is that feelings are so important. So the most important thing is feelings. But what, what, what she says, what, what Abraham says through her is that they happen simultaneously. Thoughts and feelings happen simultaneously. So what happens is we get, but we get out into our, our busy lives and things happen and all of a sudden our, our emotions start to lead us instead of us having the awareness in our lives to realize, wait a minute, I'm not going to run with that today. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. That is a tune that I'm not going to tune into. I'm stopping myself here. That's spiritual practice. Spiritual practice is a way of distracting ourselves from race consciousness, from cultural conditioning that will tell you that you're not enough because you're not driving the right car or you don't, you don't, you're too skinny or you're too fat or you're, you're not smart enough or there's not enough or you'll never be. All those ideas 
which are, which are false perceptions, but so popular. So to have the spiritual practice, I mean, this is serious spiritual practice. Jesus said, I am be in the world, but not of the world. You know, be alive and be aware in the world, but don't, don't be captured by all these false perceptions of, of things that you need to be to feel complete. When in fact, when we, we, we ground ourselves in the truth of our being, have enough spiritual practice in our lives to realize, I'm not going to run with that anymore. That is not true. That is a false perception I've carried for so long. I am re-gifting that. I'm giving that back to God to be transformed. So thoughts and feelings happen simultaneously and, and pra- spiritual practice is caring enough about how we feel so that we don't spin down. And that's, you know, and that's for all of us such a personal choice. You know, I find myself, I do more and more forgiveness work now than I ever had in my life because I hear things that I don't agree with. And then I feel like I gotta fight the, the idea or I gotta take a stand for it and I realize, no, 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 no. I just need to put it down. I, don't, I can't change anybody else. I just don't wanna carry it which is re-gifting. Ah, you know what, thanks so much for sharing with me that I'm not meeting your expectations, but I'm just gonna hear, you can have that back, that's for you. Because there's no place here for that to land. And it's not from arrogance, it's just simply caring enough about how I feel. Is this idea, is this perception that somebody's gifting me with going to move me up in the, in the radiance and the beauty of life, or is it gonna diminish that? And do I wanna be in this conversation, do I wanna give energy to it? And then to have the social dexterity just to simply to watch it pass through. And not grab onto it. And not carry it. Not get hooked. Anybody here ever gotten hooked by anything? Anybody ever said? There's like 15 over here. Two over there. It's fantastic. So you guys might want to all shift over to this side of the room. Now you're right where you need to be. But yeah, we get hooked. We see stuff happen. How about our hockey team? Anybody get hooked by our hockey team? Very popular idea that somehow a bunch of guys over there making millions of dollars playing hockey is somehow supposed to affect my well-being. I don't get it. I wish them well. It's got nothing to do with me. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's always fun to have it. But it's, you know, all these things we get hooked by. It's a fascinating thing. At least that's been my experience. So, what, so how we feel matters most. The next slide is the invitation. And this is from Dr. Holmes. And I think this aligns beautifully with Esther Hicks talking about reaching for the highest thought possible. He said the more exalted, the more heavenly, the more boundless, the more godlike or Christ-like the thought is, the more power it will have. So we have this wonderful teaching with practitioners. If you don't have a practitioner in your life, why not? Why? Because let me tell you what practitioners do. And this this is influenced by Esther and it's influenced by Dr. Holmes. But, you know, my mom had a heart attack I shared with you a week ago. And I'm so grateful for this teaching because if I were still in my, my core belief system, I, I believe that I would, there would be a lot of worry and concern and gnashing of teeth and, and, and suffering. And what I know is that what this teaching has allowed me to do that if, to, to immerse myself in my own sense of love and connection with spirit and then in my mind's eye and my meditation because we don't have to be in the same room. It's at that quantum level. I can see my mom and I can wash that whole, her whole being with light and love. And knowing upon that that she has everything she needs, that her soul is eternal, that she is surrounded and supported by the, the right and perfect healthcare providers, the right and perfect medications, the right and perfect diagnosis, the right and perfect ongoing support in her life that allows her soul, her spirit, and all that she is to continue to evolve and grow and deepen. And see, so for me, that's a much more loving perspective to have you know because none of us are going to live forever but I do the same thing with my dad who died 10 years ago 
when I started doing this co-creation work with Marcia Sutton, she said, the soul's eternal. The soul is constantly evolving. And I thought, oh my gosh, absolutely. I, used to, I started doing some forgiveness work with my dad a couple years ago because I realized there were still things that I was carrying. One of the things I know is that which is not transformed gets transmitted. In other words, the blood of our ancestors, as Marcia Sutton would say in the co-creation work, there's, there's things that we carry unknowingly from our, our ancestors. And to be able to unravel that and dissolve that and re-gift it so that, and so I was giving it back to my dad, saying, Dad, this isn't mine to carry anymore. I'm giving it back to you. And then someone guided me. I was sharing this with a, with a peer. And they said, why don't you give it back to God for trans, to be transformed? I thought, oh my gosh, yeah. I don't want to give it back to him. I just want it to be transformed and dissolved so that we can all give birth to newness. It's such powerful work. But what it requires of me is to continue to align myself with source energy and then to be, to be diligent about what I'm entertaining, what, I am, what I'm practicing, what thoughts am I practicing. Not enough, not enough, not enough of anything. Or wait a minute. What I know is what's so beautiful and simple is that if I have an idea, the clearer I can become, I can write it down. Write down what your income's going to be this year. Well, my job's only going to pay so much. Okay, so your job is your source. That's it. Good. We'll move on from you. What about, what about a surprise? What about a wonder? What about something opening up in your life you could not even imagine? Well, that'll be uncomfortable because it'll be new. Yes, it will. You'll be repotted. You will be repotted. It will be uncomfortable. But I'm, I've, I've, I've been in this community for 13 years now. I have people, when I came here, they're telling me the same story of lack and limitation. And I was just like, I can't help you with that. You're practicing that story. Our job as practitioners is not to wrestle away somebody's story, but it's to, to open up to a bigger idea. But that's, that's uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, who will I be without this story of being victimized? I don't know, who will you be? Because what I know about you is you are the, the infinite expression of the one in form, in life. So practice number three is to consistently align ourselves with unconditional love. That's a serious practice. That's probably, that's a practice for me for 2017. Because I have so many people I need to mentally punish in my own awareness before I can possibly move into unconditional love. Is that what you're thinking right now? Think about what we want instead of what we don't want. You know, um, I'm reading a Taylor Caldwell book called uh, Dear and Glorious Physician. It's about the story of of St. Luke. And in the beginning, she describes the Roman Empire. And everything she describes there is exactly this, fits to a T what's going on within the political system in the West right now. And I thought, oh my gosh, we revisit it. But see, what I know at the end of the day around consciousness, it doesn't matter who's in the White House or who's in Parliament. It matters what's in our house, our consciousness. And it's so, it's so easy to look out there and go, wow, look what the government's doing now and look what's happening now. And, and, I, and a lot of it I don't agree with, but what I'm saying is what I can control and influence is my own perception. And I can stand for being the presence of love. I can stand for letting love wash through my life so that what happens is I'm in such high relationship with this divine unseen presence of good that I know the next step, that I know the next conversation to have, that I can wash love through my life. As a practitioner, I can see and hold each person as sacred and powerful and beautiful despite their conversation, despite their behavior. As a practitioner, we do not have the luxury of saying, I'm not going to pray for you because you're just bad and wrong and you're broken. That is not the consciousness of practitioner. Practitioner is hard, hard work. Because you've got to clean all that stuff up so that when someone comes to you and says, you know what? 
I'm, I'm in agreement with struggle. I'm in agreement with lack. And the reason they will pick you as a practitioner is because you resonate with that lack. That's part of your story. And so if you haven't healed that in your life, you can't help them because you can't know it for them at a higher level. You're going to go, you'll pull, get pulled right back into the story. Oh, yeah, you're right. There is only so much. It's only so much time. There are people out there that are going to take advantage of us. Anybody got that core belief? Protect yourself. I was raised with that one. Be tough. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. There's a lot of crooks out there. And if I believe there's a lot of crooks out of there, what am I going to bring into my life? I'm going to extract from my experience evidence to support that, which will look like somebody. Crooks. Yes, thank you. But if I start seeing people in that divine light and love, I start, all of a sudden, my neighborhood changes. Consistently align ourselves with unconditional love. There's a woman by the name of Helen Fisher. I saw this on YouTube and I thought it was brilliant. She talks about the, the three capacities of love. And she said romantic love is not an emotion. It is actually a drive. And get, they're able through MRI to photograph the area of the brain that gets activated when there's, someone is in an experience of romantic love. It's also the area of the brain that gets activated when someone gets dumped. So that you're in a relationship and all of a sudden the, the, the other person says, I don't want to be with you anymore. It, gets re, it, it, it reacts the same way. It gets activated. So it's really a drive. And that's why when we get dumped, it feels so painful. Anybody here ever be, been dumped? It's this side again. These guys, you guys, right side's really alive today. Awesome. But it's the same thing and it gets worse and worse. Doesn't it feel worse? They don't, they don't want you? So they did this study, she did this study, but she tells this amazing story about, um, uh, well, first of all, she talks about there's 100 million prescriptions of serotonin that are, are uh, written every year in the United States. And I would imagine there's uh, quite a few in Canada as well, but the United States is this, uh, this field of, of research. 100 million prescriptions. Doesn't mean 100 million people, but it means 100 million prescriptions. And what serotonin does is it diminishes dopamine. And dopamine is the thing that gets activated when we're in love. When we have this amazing experience, the dopamine raises. But when we're on serotonin, which is the antidepressant, there's no dopamine. So when, we're on, when there's no dopamine, we can't connect. So as she says in her research, it's a very scary idea to have so many people that can't connect with one another. It, it diminishes our capacity to identify it, empathy, so it's interesting how we're treating a symptom and yet what we're doing is diminishing the quality of life instead of having the capacity and the patience to sit with one another. And I'm not saying in all cases, I'm glad that we have these drugs. There are people that are suicidal. There are people that are going to hurt one another or hurt others. I'm very grateful for it. But just 100 million prescriptions of this to, to, to dampen life and the aliveness? So what they know is, what her research has shown is that there's that place in the brain that gets activated and it creates a connection. The romantic connection, there's a lot of variables involved. There's, there's proximity, there's a, a, a love map that we all draw as children of what it'll look like, all those things. And so those things come together by right of consciousness. But she said there was there two, uh, two researchers working with her in her office. They've done this work for years and years and years now. Her name is Helen Fisher, if you forgot that, but she's written some books on it. And she says that these two researchers went with her to a, um, a workshop, seminar thing, in China. And the young man was madly in love with the young researcher. She was just, he was crazy about her. And she, of course, wanted nothing to do with him. 
But he understood the research, and he figured, you know what, if I can activate the dopamine in the right environment at the right time, who knows, maybe something will happen. Because that's what creates that connection and that attraction. So they get there, and he says, hmm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take her on a rickshaw ride. And I'm going to talk to the driver beforehand. We're going to make it really exciting. We're going to be going as fast as we can. And, and so he goes down and he meets the guy and he says, look, be back here this time. And I'm going to bring a friend with and, and if you can make it as exciting as possible. So they get in the rickshaw and he's running and he's taking them through all these narrow passageways. And it's very exciting. And she's squealing and having a great time. And, just, and they're just laughing and it's just glorious. And everything that this man could think that he wanted to share with this woman to raise that level of dopamine and create that connection. And they got back to the hotel and all done on the thing. And she gets out and she looks at it. He says, what do you think? He says, she says, oh, that was incredible. That was amazing. And she said, and did you notice how handsome that rickshaw driver was? <laughs> well, it works. Fourth practice. Find anything that makes you feel good and make it your core belief for the day. Start looking for evidence of your well-being your evidence of your well-being. Things are always working out for me. Say that with me. Things are always working out with me. I am worthy. I am worthy. I am brilliant. I am brilliant. I am good. I am good. And anything unlike that is a false perception. Why not nurture that? Why not beat the drum of that? I'm amazingly healthy. I am blessed beyond measure with all of the good fortune, with the opportunities. I was talking to some guy a few years ago here in the community, and he was probably in his late 50s, and he didn't seem to be working, and he said, you know, I had a friend call me one day. And he told me about this penny stock to buy. So I said, well, you know, how do you, what do you do during the day? So I travel the world. I said, really? He says, yeah, I bought the penny stock. And he went, and he said, it, it, and it grew in such volume, he was able to retire, he travels the world. I just thought, wow, that's, that's for me. I like that idea. Hmm. But if we're not in that vibrational frequency of the goodness and the abundance of life, it can't show up in our lives. We'll never have that conversation. I mean, that's the way this works. Practice five, joy, joyously selfish. 105-year-old woman, they asked her, how did she do so well? How did she live so long? Healthy, vibrant, sharp as a tack. What was the number one thing that you practiced that got you there? Was it diet? Was it exercise? She said, there's one thing that I always practice, mind my own business. Mind your own business. Source is always flowing to us. Why are we not letting it in? All this stuff that's none of our business, what our neighbors are doing, on and on and on, and let's give all our energy to that, let's fix them. And we can do that. We have been given dominion over this planet. We can give our energy to whatever we choose. So last slide, align with source. Choose thoughts and feelings that lift us up into, a, into a, a wonderful feeling tone. To practice unconditional love, first for ourselves. To let love wash through us so it can wash through others' lives. To daily pick a belief to nurture. And to be joyously selfish. The best we can do for another is to thrive in every way possible. Thriving is holding ourselves in alignment with source. Because then we become that contagion, we become that light source for others in thriving and living our own divinity and living our own abundant life in a, in a powerful way. Because otherwise, because a lot of people only share their suffering with us. Not because they're bad people, it's all they have to give. And so our opportunity to exchange and to re-gift ourselves is to look at the ways we can shift and change. And it's bit by bit. It's day by day. It's practice. Creating a vibrational frequency 
that washes love through ourselves in life. Find some way to feel good despite what's going on. To be able to, to pull someone up in our mind's eye and just love them. Practice with people that's easy to love and then we can move it to people that challenge us. As, as Marcia Sutton says, there'll become a time in our spiritual evolution where we will kiss the feet of those that tempted us not to love them. Because it grows us into a capacity that is so sweet and wonderful and then nothing can diminish us. And this is the business we're about. Beautiful and powerful. You, I would ask you this as you get in your car. If you get in the car today and you turn on the radio and there's a song that you cannot stand, what do you do? Do you sit there and complain how much you hate that song? Oh, I hate this. I can't listen to this song one more time. You change the channel. So that simple process of changing the channel is our opportunity in 2015. As things start rolling through our heads that have created despair, lack and limitation and struggle in our lives to realize, wait a minute, I am changing the channel. I'm shifting to love. And right now it might be a small thing. It might be looking at your hand and realizing all the good things you've done with this hand. All the meals you've shared and prepared. The hugs you've given. Whatever it may be, but dwelling on something simple and powerful. We have in, as our ushers come forward, we have our cards, these new cards. It says, Love Thy Neighbor, our theme for this month. I encourage you to take a look at that. We thank you so much for your continued support. Expanding our programs, our consciousness, and tapping into that powerful experience of giving. All that we have to share. And so I just want to thank you for an amazing and powerful 2015. What I know when I take a stand for you right now, and if you will join me in this in your mind's eye, is that we are a community that is in, in the process of dissolving debt, which is doubt. So if you are carrying debt with you this year, let us come together and know that we eradicate and dissipate that and give birth to something new. So I give back the consciousness within me, that limitation that supports debt in my life. And I heal that doubt. So I thank you so much and great gratitude and appreciation. What a, what a joy to be with you in community. I just give thanks this day as we share our gifts. As you enter into our intentional giving program or you give from your heart, giving from joy, that, that giving activates that within, within us that allows more to, to, to be received in our lives. With that said, I give thanks and together we say, and so it is.